0: Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 21. Paul continues and says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Now, these next verses in chapter 10 of Romans have been taken out of context and preached for years as if to say that if we don't tell people, they may never hear about Jesus. Isn't that how you've heard that preach? How can they hear unless someone tells them? And if you don't tell them, they may never hear. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at some scriptures you already know and some others that you don't. Throughout tonight's study, there's going to be a refresher course as well as deepening it. So we're gonna be talking about things that I've laid out before, but we're also gonna take you a little bit deeper in this as well. So what we're gonna do is, and I want you to do this in everything, whenever you come to a passage of scripture and you wanna get a correct interpretation, you need to check your interpretation against the whole of scripture, all right? Like for example, this is just a little commercial. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus said, The fields are wide enough to harvest, but the laborers are few. And the preachers would say, We need more laborers. There's not enough laborers. Does that match up with the whole of Scripture? Is God limited by how many people work? No. Actually, if you go back and look at Matthew chapter 7, that's Matthew 9, you look at Matthew chapter 7, Jesus has just said, "The narrows the road that leads to eternal life, and few there be that find it. When he gets to chapter 9, he's simply saying, The fields are widened to harvest. There's a big harvest that God has in mind. Yet, at the same time, the number of people that he's going to be using are limited in comparison. Therefore, the next verse, he doesn't say, we need more workers. He says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out his laborers into his harvest. In other words, he's got the master plan. He's the one who's going to say, where you go, when you go. Instead of us trying to say, we need more workers, we need more people going out. We actually should be seeking the Lord to say, Lord, where would you have me go today? What is your plan as you are working in your field? If you do a study of scripture, you'll see that Paul tried to go into Asia, but the Spirit said, not where I'm working just yet, or at least not with you. He didn't just sit home and wait until he got a word from the Lord. He then tried to go into Mysia, but the Spirit said, no, that's not quite. And when he had a dream of a man in Macedonia saying, come preach the gospel to us, he knew that's where God wanted him to go. But when he gets there, a woman is the first convert. And oh, by the way, she happens to be from Asia. A lot of people don't realize that in Matthew 16, where Jesus comes and says, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. It's in the context of him saying, who do people say that I am? And then who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. And Jesus said, blessed are you. God didn't, sorry, God's the one who opened your eyes. Man didn't open your eyes. And a lot of people don't realize in the next verse, verse 20, Jesus says, it says he strictly commanded them not to tell anyone that he was the the Christ. We would say he got it right. Go tell everybody. No, I'm the Lord of the harvest. So we should be careful when someone comes and takes Matthew 9 and says, we need more laborers, we don't have enough laborers. That doesn't match with the whole of Scripture. This passage we're going to look at tonight in great detail has been used to say, how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? How many times have we heard that? You've got to get out there. If you don't tell them, they may never hear. Well, I'm going to take some time tonight to show you that interpretation does not match with the whole of Scripture. Now, if you'll stick with me to the end of tonight's study, some of you are already ready to turn me off. If you'll stick with me to the end of the night study, you're going to see the importance of us still being going out and going where God would have us go. And he, we're not to just sit back and God's going to do it. No, he wants to use us. And we, how blessed are the feet of those who bring the good news. But we're going to take a look at the fact that actually Paul is not saying, if you don't tell him, they won't hear in the context of this passage in chapter 10 and the whole of Scripture you're going to see that what Paul was saying is this. God would never expect the Jews to believe something that they'd never heard, and he wouldn't expect them to hear something unless he hadn't sent some people to already tell them. And as you're going to see, he then says, did they hear? Were they not told? And the answer is, of course, yes. Do You understand the difference of how it's being preached? If not, that's what tonight's study is. So let's go there. Go to Romans chapter 1. We're going to hit it fast because we've heard it before through our study of Romans. But in Romans chapter 1, look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is what? It's plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Look at verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, nor give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impure impurity, the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So, did they hear? Has everybody heard? Yes. Has he made it known to them? Yes, he has. And everyone's without excuse. His divine nature, his eternal qualities have been clearly seen since the beginning of creation through creation. Go to Romans 2. Look at verses 12 through 16. For all who have sinned without hearing God's written law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles, who don't have the law, by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they don't have the law, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day, when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So here he goes on and says, not only is the whole world without excuse that there's a God, he's made it known to them, even though they knew God, they chose not to worship him. He says, even if they never got his written law like the Jews did, he wrote his law in their hearts. He's made it known to them. He's revealed to them that there's a right and a wrong and there's morality and there's holiness and there's sin. He's made that known to everyone. And he's going to judge everybody through Jesus Christ. Well, how would he expect them to be judged through Jesus Christ unless they had somehow, some way, heard of Jesus Christ? As you're going to see, they have. They have. Go to Romans 10. Look at verses through thirteen, Romans 10, verse 8 and following. But what does it say? We saw this last week. The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. We saw that back in Deuteronomy. That's where he's quoting from. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, and again, Old Testament, according from here, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Again, where is he quoting from? From the Old Testament. Have they not heard? Yeah, his word's near. you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. This word of faith that we proclaim, if you believe in the one God has provided, you won't. Be put to shame. Everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. By the way, quoting Old Testament passages that we looked at last week. Go to Romans 10, verses 18 through 21. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed, they have. And then they quote the Old Testament again. Their voice has gone out to where? All the earth and their words to the end of the world. Now, I'm going to stop real quick before we keep reading. But a lot of people, they'll say, but well, wait a minute. Didn't, didn't Jesus say in Matthew 24 that the gospel has to be preached to the whole world and then the end will come? And as you've heard me say before, Jesus in Matthew 24 is laying out the tribulation period with the seals that are being opened in the book of Revelation. And if you read the Bible, especially the book of Revelation tied to the Old Testament, you'll see that at the very end of the tribulation period, God himself is going to have an angel hover in midair and preach the eternal gospel to the whole world all at one time. And then the end comes. He's not saying as soon as we get the gospel to the whole world, then the end can come. As you're about to see from Scripture, and we've already seen from the passages I've just read, they have heard. The gospel has been preached. He's going to judge everybody through Jesus, and he wouldn't do that unless they had heard about Jesus in some way or another. They have heard. Have they not heard? Indeed, they have. His word has gone out where? To all the earth. Keep reading in Romans 10. But I ask, verse 19, did Israel not understand? First, Moses said, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I'll make you angry. We'll deal with that more tonight, later on. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who didn't seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. The context of this passage, folks, is not... If you don't tell them, they may never hear. The context of this passage is, they have heard. God wouldn't expect them to believe something they hadn't heard, and He wouldn't expect them to hear something unless He had provided the people to go share it with them, and it has been preached in many different ways, through His Spirit, through creation, through their conscience, through the messengers and the missionaries. There ain't anybody that hadn't heard. Are there people that are being born every day? Yes. Do they need to hear? Yes. Do we need to keep sending missionaries? Yes but don't think it's up to us. This is something God's been doing from the beginning of time, and it's all on schedule. And as Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Let me encourage you, if you're in a church that says, well, we're dying, we're sick. Well, there's probably a strong chance that what you guys think is church is dying. But let me just tell you from a guy that travels the country and has been to parts of the world, the church is fine, folks. God's doing his work. People are getting saved. People are getting right with God. And there are local congregations that are missing out on it because they're too busy hanging on to what they think church is and judging all the people around them as to whether or not they're doing it right. But let me tell you, if Jesus said, I'll build my church and Satan won't stop it, I believe Jesus. I want to be a part of what he's doing that's not going to be stopped. But in order to do that, I need to have to learn how to walk with him instead of hanging on to my preconceived notions. But let's keep checking this interpretation against the scripture. Go to Colossians chapter 1. God showed me this in my preparation for this study. I've quoted to you verse 23 before. Go to Colossians 1, verse 23. We'll start there. And then he showed me something I had never seen, adding it to my repertoire. Go to Colossians 1, verse 23. Paul is in the middle of a sentence and he says, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Did you catch that? Paul said the gospel has already been preached under the whole heaven. Oh, but go back to Colossians 1. Look at verses 3 through 6. I've never seen this before. I've read it, but I've never seen it. That's why you gotta keep studying the scriptures, folks. Keep reading it. God's gonna open up stuff to you at the time He wants you to see it that you'd never seen before. Look at verses 3 through 6. Paul says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Did you catch that? The gospel has been preached and is being preached. Everybody's hearing it in some way, shape, fashion, or form, in God's plan, His way of doing things, and it isn't contingent on us. Now, like I said earlier, do you want to be a part of it? Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 verses 18 and 19 called his disciples and he said follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The focus should not be evangelism and trying to get the world the word to the whole world. The focus should be what? Following Jesus. Following Jesus. By the way, if you were to go on and compare the scriptures how Jesus when Luke's account of calling his disciples he's just been preaching in Peter's boat, and he says to Peter, let's let's go out and throw the nets out for a catch. And Peter says, we've fished all night and haven't caught anything. By the way, doesn't that sound like some of the evangelism strategies of our churches? But Jesus says, I'll tell you what, let's go throw it out. And Peter says, because you say so, at your command, I'll do it. And when he throws it out, when Jesus tells him, even though it's not the time of day you catch fish, they pull in so many fish supernaturally that they're embarrassed. They had to call for help, and Peter falls on his knees and says, get away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And he says, follow me now, and I'll make you fishers of men. You just follow me. Oh, and later on, three years later, after Jesus rose from the dead, they don't know what to do, and so they decide to go fishing. And Jesus reteaches the lesson. They fish all night as he's watching on the shore, and in the morning he calls out and says, friends, haven't you any fish? Or actually in the Greek, it's, you don't got any fish, do you? They say no. And he says, throw it on the right side of the boat and you'll catch them. Now, let's stop real quick. Don't you think they've been throwing it on the right and the left, the front and the back? But because Jesus, they don't know it's Jesus at this time, but because Jesus says so, when he says and where he says, they do it. And again, there's such a miraculous catch. They realize, okay, we didn't do this. He did this. And that's when John goes, I know who that guy is on the shore. That's the Lord. And I love this. Oh, don't miss this. When they get to the shore... What does Jesus already have on the fire? Fish. But he goes, bring some of the fish you caught. In other words, I'll use what I do through you, but I don't need you. Folks, so so back to Romans chapter 10, verses 14, is the correct interpretation if we don't tell them they may not hear? No. What matches with the context is you're going to see a little bit more here. And with the rest of Scripture is, he's saying they did hear. They have heard. And he wouldn't expect them to believe something they had never heard. And he wouldn't expect them to hear something if he hadn't already sent it out. So with that in mind. Let's go to Isaiah 52. Look at verse seven. Isaiah 52, verse seven. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Has he told them? Yes, he has. And here he is saying how beautiful are those whom he has used to send out the good news. By the way, I hope by the end of this message, you want to have beautiful feet as well. But don't run out to go tell people. Learn how to walk with Jesus. And as you walk with him, he sets up the appointments. Again, I have to fight myself from getting off my notes. But let me just tell you, the more God's opened my eyes to this, the more I started to see it. Where Philip is, because of the stoning of Stephen, the church is scattered and Philip ends up in Samaria. And God uses him there, and a revival breaks out in Samaria. And in the midst of the revival, God comes to him and says, leave here. Head down this desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And even though most of us would say, but God, there's a work here. The Spirit told him to go. So he goes obediently away from where the big crowd is, down a desert road, And do you ever think about the fact that he would happen to run into an Ethiopian eunuch who just happened to be sitting there in his chariot, just happened to be reading the scroll Isaiah, just happened to be reading from Isaiah 53, which we're going to get to tonight, maybe. But as Philip learned to walk with Jesus, Jesus put him, because he's Lord of the harvest, in the places where he was already at work, and God was setting the appointments up for him. He wasn't saying, go out into the town and knock on every door and see if you hit one. He did send them out two by two, but he taught them how to recognize where the Spirit was at work and where the Spirit wasn't at work. And if it wasn't at work, move on. Learn how to recognize the Spirit working. I could go on and on and on. Jesus himself had to go through Samaria at noon and end up at a watering hole, which is not when you're going to go find people at the watering hole. It's the heat of the day. Oh, but there was a woman that the Father was working on. It was obvious that the Spirit was at work on her because as Jesus talked with her, she had a lot of insight, even though her life did not match up with it. She had a lot of insight as to what the Scriptures said, didn't she? We know that the Scriptures say that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. And what does Jesus say? I who speak to you am he. Oh, folks, let me just tell you, when we stop thinking it's up to us and we stop trying to come up with a strategy and we would just learn to walk with Jesus. I could tell you something about what happened today, but it'll get me even further off what happened. But I had one of those today where I actually missed the opportunity because of my hurry and realized the spirit saying, I didn't have you run into that guy by accident. And so I prayed. I said, Lord, in my hurry. I might have just missed an opportunity you were setting up. So, because you're gracious, if that is something I'm supposed to do, would you have me run into him again? And I did. Again, that's not what I'm here for tonight. We're going to teach you Romans. But let me just say, I thank God for the fact that he said, I'll still give you another chance. I'm doing something here, and I'd love to use you. I had to learn how to walk with him, though. I was focused on my project and my thing I had to get done. Notice what Paul also says in these verses. Go to Romans 10 again. He shows that faith can only be in what? Go back to Romans 14. All right. Look at verses chapter 10, verse 14. Chapter 10, verse 14. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. All right. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, even though they heard it. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Verse 17, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through what? The word of Christ. The word of Christ. In other words, the gospel of salvation by faith alone in God's provision. We know him as Jesus, and his name is the Christ, the Messiah, He said that salvation only comes by faith, and faith only comes by hearing the word about Jesus. That's important. Go with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, look at verses 17 through 21. Acts chapter 20, look at verse 17. Now, from Miletus, he, this is Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying to both Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ means and hearing about the message of Jesus. Now, as we've already laid out in many a study before, when we did Matthew, as we did parts earlier parts of Romans, Jesus has been planned before the foundation of the world, and God had been revealing more and more and more about him. He was pointed to. He's been pointed to in every single book of the Bible. He was pointed to in the law. He was pointed to in the prophets. He was pointed to in the sacrificial system. He's pointed to in the Psalms. He's going to be worshipped forever and ever. Jesus isn't somebody that just came on the scene at the time of Mary. He has always been. He created the world, and at the same time, He's always been before the creation of the world. God's plan to reconcile mankind to himself. The gospel of faith alone in Jesus Christ didn't start getting preached by the church. It's been preached all along by God and his servants who know him. And it's always been about faith in Jesus. Even though you might not have known his name, you've known about him. It's been revealed to you. So did they hear it? By the way, we got to start over if you get this one wrong. Did they hear it? Did they hear about Jesus? Yes, they did. They heard the gospel, but they didn't obey it. Go to, back, to, back to chapter 10 of Romans. Again, look at verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Look at verse 16 again. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? They heard the gospel, but they didn't obey it. They heard the gospel, but they did not believe. Let's go to Isaiah 53. There's a couple things now. We're going to start moving deeper now. A lot of this stuff you've heard before. Some of it maybe not, but we're about to move into a deeper understanding of some of this stuff, hopefully. And that's going to be by the Spirit of God, not by Jim's wisdom. But let's look again now at a passage that a lot of us may know, but look closely at Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 12. Isaiah 53, Who has believed what he has heard from us? They've heard. And to whom has already the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no former majesty that we should look at him. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. He'll rise from the dead. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet before he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Folks, we could spend weeks just on this chapter, could we not? But I love how the Spirit of God was working on the Ethiopian eunuch. Here was a man from Ethiopia. Here was a man who was in service of the queen. yet God sought him out. And he began to believe in this God, and he probably was on his way to Jerusalem worshiping. He had some scroll of the Jewish Torah. And what does he say? "Hey, help me out." And Philip goes over to him and says, "Do you understand what you're reading?" He says, how can I unless somebody helps me? He gets up in the chariot. And the guy says, is he is Isaiah talking about himself or somebody else? And that's when Philip says. Let me share with you all these verses that I've learned. Do you see the difference? Not I put my faith in this strategy of, of a system of sharing my faith. And this is the only way to do it. I have no problem with you learning different ways to share the gospel. Roman road, share Jesus without fear, Christian witness training, evangelism explosion, way of the master. I could go on and on. I have no problem with you learning those. Don't put your faith in those methods, but learn the scriptures. Learn the things to recognize when the Spirit's at work. And then the Spirit of God, as he brings you in an appointment, will say, those verses that you have in your heart, now, share this one. Share this one. But again, who was already at work? Who's been doing this all along? Who's planned this all along? God, this is His work, this is His salvation. Why do we think we have to hijack it and take it over? Why do we think that He needs us? How, how foolish that is. Go to John 12. Look at verses 37 and 38. Though he had done so many signs, Jesus had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now, listen closely. Look at what is being said here. They saw the signs, but they still did not believe. Why? Because Isaiah had said they would hear and they would have it revealed. That's the part of this that's being fulfilled. They had it shown to them. They had it revealed to them. Now, because this is God's plan and he gets to do whatever he wants, There comes a point, as we looked at last time, that he decides you've had your opportunity, and I determine when the opportunity is over, and so I'm shutting the door. Look at the next verse. Therefore, they could not believe, for again Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. So as we're going to see later on, if we have time to get there, God determines when the opportunity, and he gives everyone an opportunity. He also determines when it's shut. We have a responsibility to respond, but go to Matthew 13. We're in the dealing with the context of, have they not heard? Yes, they have. In many, many ways. Look at Matthew 13, verses 18 through 23. Jesus explaining the parable of the soils. Hear then the parable of the sower. By the way, who's speaking right now? Jesus. Do you think he understands the gospel? He wrote it. He lived it. He is it. So if there's anybody that has understanding of how God does his salvation... I think it would be Jesus, correct? Listen to what Jesus says. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been what? Sown in his heart. Even the path had it sown in their heart. That verse is going to be important in just a second. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, another sixty, and another thirty. Go to James one twenty one. James one twenty one. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the what? Implanted word which is able to save your souls. But what about people who have never heard the law of God or the word of God? They have. He's written on their hearts. He's shown them in many, many ways. Is there anybody out there that really doesn't know that there's a God and they need to be right with him? And that the only way that they can be right with him is if God takes care of it himself because they can't do it. Is there anybody that doesn't understand that? The Bible says there's no one. Deep down, everyone knows they're in trouble. Deep down, everyone knows that if they're going to be right with their creator, who they know exists, he's going to have to do it and not them, because they know they can't do it. Oh, they may convince themselves for a while that they might could, and they try or whatever, but deep down, they heard, and they know. It's been revealed. It's been sown. The word of Christ, which we're proclaiming, this salvation by faith alone in God's provision for man's sin has been revealed in many, many ways. And as we've already read in Romans 2.16, God will judge all men's secrets through who? Through Jesus Christ. So in some way, which we don't have to say we understand, or anyway, any way we even know how he did it, in some way, everyone will know about Jesus. And when they stand before him, they'll be held accountable for what they did with Jesus. Well, Jesus didn't come on the scene until A.D. such and such. Hang on, relax. He's been preached from the beginning of creation. He's been revealed through creation. He's been revealed in many ways, and I can't wait to show you another one that kind of came up after my Bible study last week on Wednesday night. What same study you guys had, but there's a man in the Bible study on Wednesday nights who is a Jew. And he came up to me, and he's a believing Jew. He came up to me afterwards and he said, can I point something out that you kind of didn't see tonight? I'm like, I'd love that. And I can't wait to tell it to you. Paul then goes on in Romans 10 and says that God also had shown them that he would, because of their unbelief and disobedience, save the Gentiles to make them jealous. Go back to Romans 10. Look at verses 20, sorry, 19 and 20. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. And with a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, talking about the Gentiles, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. All right. God then decides, and it's been his plan all along, even though he's been revealing himself to the nation of Israel in many ways, more than we've ever had, he's going to use the Gentiles to make them jealous. In other words, let me paraphrase it for you, then I'll show you scripturally what it's talking about. He says, you Jews keep thinking that you have to be righteous enough, that if you keep the law and you do all these things, that I'll let you in heaven because of your effort, your good works. I'm going to do something that's going to blow that up. I'm going to go out and I'm just going to save people that weren't even seeking me, people that weren't even trying to live righteous, people that you yourself would agree are wicked, horrible sinners, and I'm going to give them righteousness, and guarantee them eternity, and put my spirit within them, just like I have promised I'll do for you one day. Without them working for it, without them having brought up with all the rules and regulations, I'm just going to go save people, the Gentiles, to show you that all along salvation is my gift by your faith, not by anything you do. Do you see it? He's saving us to make Israel jealous. Now, as a quick aside, how much we hurt God's plan by, as churches, falling back into legalism and look more like the Jews than the church. But that's another message for another day. Go to Romans, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 32. Well, by the way, he even told them this way, way back before they even entered the promised land. Deuteronomy 32 Look at verse 21. He lays out in this chapter their history, what they've done and what they're going to do and what God's going to do in the end. And look at verse 21. He said, They, the Jews, have made me jealous with what is no God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols, so I will make them jealous with those who are no people. I'll provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. By the way, did you catch that? This part of God's plan of salvation... Us Gentiles being saved, which is only for a period of time, and then he's going to take us to be with him and finish what he started with Israel. This was all part of God's plan as well. By the way, it ain't waiting on us. He's doing it. Go to Isaiah 65. Go to Isaiah 65. Look at verses 1 and 2. Isaiah chapter 65, verses 1 and 2. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices. There it is again. Again, Paul is quoting from all of these passages to show the Jews... They have heard. He's shown them. Even this Gentile thing that he's doing in the church age, he's even shown them that. Don't miss this, folks. This is important. This is going to help us move forward when we get into chapter 11 and show us God's heart for Israel and all people. God's purpose in saving the Gentiles is to make Israel jealous, wanting what we have. That's what he's trying to do. When you're jealous, you want what the other person has. He's saving us, which has been his plan of salvation all along, by faith alone when we didn't even seek him. No one understands, no one seeks for God, Romans 3:10 and 11. And he's just given us by us saying, "You know what? I believe you. I receive that." And he gives us righteousness, puts his spirit within us and says, "You're guaranteed eternal life." And the Jews are going, "Wait a minute." They haven't been busting their fanny like I've been busting my fanny. And God says, oh, I've been telling you that all along. It's not by your effort. It's by my grace. Go to Luke 15. Listen to a story that Jesus told the Jews. Oh, and there were Gentiles listening as well. Luke 15, look at verses 11 through 24. And Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Now, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, took a journey into the far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose. And he came to his father, but while I was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. What did this guy do to be given righteousness, the robe, the ring, the shoes, all representative of sonship. He humbled himself and repented. Had he lived it right? Now he did the opposite. And Jesus tells the story. Oh, by the way, if you keep reading, the older son, he hears the party. He comes in from working. and He hears what's going on. Oh, your brother, he was, he's come back. And the father's throwing a party for him. And when the older brother doesn't go in because he's upset, the father goes out and pleads with him, pursues him. And the son says, all these years I've slaved for you. See, that's the problem, the father says. My son, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. It's always been there to be received by faith and not being earned. Jesus has been telling them, he's been telling them, go to Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 14. My prayer is that while we're, sharing this gospel that's been preached throughout the whole Bible. Some people listening in this room or maybe some people that are online would allow the Spirit to speak to their heart as to their condition. And they would repent and just get right with God by faith in His provision for their sins. Jesus, Jeremiah 29, listen to verses 11 through 14. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All your heart. Listen to verse 14. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I'll bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Was he talking to the Jews or everybody? Everybody. It was to the Jews, but is this also to us? Yes, it is. But this specific promise about the land is to the nation of Israel. The answer is D, all of the above. We've been given this wonderful gift now. And when he's done with us for his purposes in his season, he's going to take us to be with him, and he's going to finish all the things, as we're going to get to in chapter 11, all the things that he promised to Israel, but they're still going to receive it by faith. In the Messiah. In Matthew 21. Go to Matthew 21 verses 33 through 45. Matthew 21 verses 33 through 45. Here then another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to, two, to, to tenants and, and went into another country. And when the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get its fruit. And the tenants, well actually his fruit, and the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another and stoned another. And again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did, not, did the same to them. Finally, he sent to his son to them, saying, they'll respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. And when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He'll put those wretches to a miserable death and let out their vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Oh, and the chief priests and the Pharisees heard that when they heard this parable, they perceived that he was speaking about them. Had they heard? Yes, of course they did. Oh, by the way, I'm not even close to done. We're running out of time, but I think you're getting the picture, folks. He's shown them all of the gospel, that it's been by faith alone in his provision, the one who's going to be bearing their iniquities, the one that's going to be pierced for their transgression, the one who's going to rise from the dead. It's going to be given to a group of people that never sought him just to prove to the Jews that it's been by his grace. Matthew 22, we don't have time to read. But if you go to Matthew 22, he tells another parable of how he went and invited the servants oh, sorry, invited his people to come and they don't want to come, and says, "Well, they've had their opportunity. Go out into the highways and byways and invite anybody to come on in." And at the end of that parable, of course, there was one who tried to get in on his own righteousness, and he wasn't willing to take the robe of the master. He wanted to come to the party, but he thought he was good enough, and he was cast out. Again, Jesus is repeating the gospel, which has been preached in all creation. God is saving us. God saving us is another way of showing the Jews that salvation is not earned by keeping the law, but by faith alone in God's provision for man's sin. God's mercy, God's grace. Now let me just show you what the Jewish man shared with me last week. Do you remember back in Romans 9 where... Paul said, so that God's purpose and election might continue, he said, the older will serve the younger. Remember Jacob and Esau? The older will serve the younger. No. Nope. This is prior to the law, correct? Remember, this is Jacob and Esau time period. This is not, Moses doesn't come until later. But didn't the law say... That the oldest had all the rights? And this Jewish man came up to him afterwards and he said, look, God was already showing them my choice, my provision, my plan supersedes the law. I chose ahead of time that the younger would be the one who got the blessings and, the, and, the, and all, even though the law says the other way. My plan Supersedes the law. Was Abraham given righteousness before he was circumcised or after he was circumcised? Before. Well, circumcision is important for the Jews as a following of what he has said, and to signify that they were a different people following him, but he was given righteousness before the law was even given. He was given righteousness before circumcision was even ordained. And God's been showing us all along, the Jews and everyone, it's by faith alone. It's received by faith alone in God's provision for, God's, for man's sin. And it has nothing to do with how good you've been. Oh, by the way, this individual that I ran into today. I mean, we, since God set up the appointment, I wanted to make sure that I shared the gospel with him. He says he's a believer. And trying to live a good life. And so for the next few holes. Yes, I was on the golf course. For the next few holes, I had the chance to walk him through the scriptures that show nothing we do. It's all faith in Jesus. And he actually was sharing how his girlfriend who was raised in a Roman Catholic church just got baptized last week at a church in the area. I got to share how she came to understand that it's not by the rules and the rituals and you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to follow these seven things, but it's by faith alone. And I told him, make sure that your faith that you say you have is in Jesus alone and not anything you've done. Oh, the good living, that will come about as we walk with Jesus, but it's not tied to our salvation. It's not I believe in Jesus and I live a good life. It's I believe in Jesus. Oh, he set the appointment up and I almost missed it. I'm sorry, yes, I believe he did. I believe he does understand. But again, what God wants to do from there, that's up to God. Sometimes we plant, sometimes we water, sometimes we see a harvest. And I can't tell you how it's all gonna play out, but I already know God's at work, and I just happen to be one of the many people he's put in that man's path. But as I introduced him to my ministry and told him where the website was, he said this, remember this face, Because you may see me at one of the places you speak at in the near future. I hope he doesn't shave his beard. I won't recognize him. (laughs) Go to Philippians chapter 3. We got time, we can do this. Go to Philippians 3. Paul, who was one of the most devout rule followers, wasn't he? He came to understand the gospel. Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is of no trouble to me, and it's safe for you. That makes me feel better about a lot of my sermons. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Listen, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. By the way, y'all do know who's writing, who's saying this right here in Philippians 3. It's the same guy that wrote this book that we're reading called Romans and studying, who said it's been revealed The Jews had a lot more light than the Gentiles, but it's been revealed to everyone. And no one's righteous, not even one. And the law and the prophets testify to this righteousness that's by faith in Jesus Christ. Everything we've been studying, Paul came to understand himself, although he himself had tried and he actually was out there trying to kill all those Gentiles who were saying, I'm righteous now. No, 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 you're not righteous, Paul says. You didn't keep the law. You're not circumcised. You haven't done all this stuff that I've done. You've got to earn it. And they're all running around going, no, it's actually, it's, it's a gift of his by faith in what Jesus did. And you don't even know anything about this stuff you're talking about. And he went out to kill him until one day he met Jesus himself. And all of a sudden he realized everything that I thought was right was wrong. Oh, now he understands. I think we're hearing him say it in chapter 10. I heard too. It's been there all along. He's been telling us. I'm not going to take the time to turn there. In Acts 26, verses 1 through 23, write it down and go look at it yourself. In Acts 28, 17 through 31, we'll close with that one. Acts 28, 17 through 31. The first one is Acts 26, 1 through 23. The second one is Acts 28, 17-31. In both of these situations, Paul himself tells his own testimony. But listen to verses 17-31. through After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. When they had, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people, this is Paul in Rome, by the way, talking to the Jews. He's a prisoner right now. Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation for this reason. Therefore, I have asked to see you and to speak with you since it's because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain By the way, when he said the hope of Israel, do you understand what he's saying? The Messiah, the promised one. I'm in prison right now because of the Messiah. The one you all are looking for. The one that the scriptures have been pointing to. God's provision for man's sin. And they said to him, we've. Received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you, but we desire to hear from you what your view, your, your views are, for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it's spoken against, talking about Christianity, or the way is what it was called at the time. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him in his lodging in greater numbers. From morning until evening he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God, and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You'll be indeed here, but never understand. You'll indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, with their ears they can barely hear, and their ears they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now stop for a second. He gathered a group of Jews, a large number, and for a whole day... He shared, kind of like I do, from Genesis to Revelation almost. Actually, he just used their Old Testament to show them. And when he was all done, many there in the room believed. And about the same number, if not more, said, nah. So did he say it right for the certain group of people that believed? Or did he say it wrong for the people that didn't? No. They all heard. It's like the Holy Spirit's work. We should be sharing the good news, but many of us were like, no, I don't do a very good job. I've shared it. Nobody believes and nobody listens to me. Oh, get over yourself. It has nothing to do with you. Do you think Paul could explain it? Yes, he had the gift of God. He understood the scriptures. He had been studying them and knew them as a Pharisee. And he was able to expound and open their eyes. But it wasn't him. He was trying to convince them. But who's the one that convinces the Holy Spirit, and he said the exact same words to the whole room full, some believed and others didn't. It's not tied to what you say or don't say. Here's how we're going to close. I'm going to finish tonight by going back to Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they here without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Let me ask you a question. Have you been sent? Good for you, Jeremy. You kept them from having to stay late tonight. The answer is yes. Acts chapter one, verse eight. And you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the innermost parts of the earth. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and said, all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. By the way, disciples are followers of Jesus. As you follow Jesus, teach them to follow Jesus. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, and I'm with you always. Even to the end of the age. Have we been sent? Yes. Matthew chapter 4 verses 18 and 19. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. We are to be out sharing the good news. How blessed are the feet of those who share the good news. Don't think if you don't tell them they may never hear. Don't think there's not enough workers. Jesus is doing his stuff. He's getting his stuff done. But we also should not sit around and say, well, thank God he's going to get his stuff done. Thank God he's going to build his church. You know what? He can and he will without you and me, but we're going to miss out. How blessed are the feet of those who share the good news. Let me say to you, walk with Jesus and be watching for him to set up the appointments that he has for you. But we're to go into all the world. Yes, but that's not humanly possible for one person. He wasn't saying everybody go to all the world. Some are going to go to Samaria. Some are going to go to Judea. Some are going to go to Jerusalem. Some are going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. The same Jesus that said, blessed are those who leave father and mother and houses and homes and lands for my sake. Is the same Jesus that told the demoniac after he got saved, I want you to go home. And you share the good news of the gospel with the people in your home. We follow Jesus. We don't follow a strategy. We follow Jesus. We don't follow a system. He's building his church and it won't get stopped. But he also said, I'm going to bless you. If you let me use you. Walk with me, and I'll set the appointments up. I love you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for coming.